right. We're on episode nine, y'all. Episode nine. Can we can we really believe that we've made it to nine? Wrap episodes? it up for episode nine. Like episode nine, and y'all, we we have been grinding. Like y'all think we just be chilling each week after we upload. Like we seriously put in a lot of work. <laughs> Building rapport with people, trying to get schedules together. It's been crazy, but outside of our own chaos. We are able to bring you guys episode nine. I'm super excited today because we have a guest. But before we get into that, Donald. All right, let's get started. My name is Donald Coleman. Yes, and I am Dr. E. And this is Unapologetic Conversations with the Coleman's. Yes, let's just let's just let's just start off with the new intro because y'all know. We've been having a little bit of lag issues with the old old intro, but you know I think we got it down packed. You know, uh, nothing gets solved overnight. So well, you know, perfection is not made in a day. So sometimes perfection takes time to configure itself. But we getting it together, right? Like you know, the Sphinx wasn't built in a day. So I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So before we start getting into like our different segments. As you guys can see, if you are watching us on YouTube or if you guys are following us on all podcast streaming platforms, we have a guest today in the building, I believe. Terrell is our what? Third guest, Donald? Uh, yes. So today we're going to be talking about mental health, Black men and mental health. So I wanted to make sure that we brought you guys someone that is a professional in the game. Not only does he have his master's, he has his LPC, he has his NCC, and he has his own like private practice that he does with some others. So he's really well versed in mental health. He also has his own podcast called Rewired. Is that correct, Terrell? Yeah, Rewired is the name of the podcast on uh, Instagram is Rewired Podcast underscore and then on um, YouTube is Rewired podcast 2020 so as you guys can see he's really entrenched in mental health like myself like my brother donald so we wanted to bring you guys a different perspective before we had on a mental health professional that was a woman so we got the queen's perspective so today Mm -hmm. we're going to bring you the king's perspective so without further ado Terrell Tepper, would you like to let people know a little bit more about who you are and what you do in mental health? Um, Yeah, okay. So like you said, I am a mental health therapist, LPC. I've been uh, working in mental health since about 2007. Um, So I'm approaching, what is this, 14 years? Um, I've been fully licensed since 2016. I had the pleasure of meeting Dr. Coleman and graduate school what was that probably 2012 or 2011 maybe I think it was 2011 mm-hmm. um and my charge now is to be a liaison between my community and the community that actually take advantage of mental health services so I want to translate some of the stuff that go over people's heads and be an example of a person that looked like you and sound like you and dress like you um, so that you're not intimidated by mental health. So I think a lot of people in our community, uh, I mean, it's just, it's levels to everything. So 
uh, they look at mental health as the like the step before uh, suicide or, you know, a whole mental breakdown or, you know, shooting up a school. It don't got to be that serious. It could be, I just feel anxious today. You know what I'm saying? Or it's something on my mind I need, I need somebody to talk to. So I just feel like <clears throat> until we are examples of the change that we want to see, then you're part of the problem. So uh, I'm just trying to be an example of a person that's just a person that's relatable, that is not too far removed from the struggles of the everyday person that actually take advantage and, and see the value in mental health. So I see you ready to start dropping these jewels to real. I, <laughs> I feel it. But before we get more into that, we have a couple more things that we have to address. Um, Donald, if you want to go ahead and take it. All right, so y'all know if you've been a real OG, you've been following us for a minute. Y'all know we like to do uh, coffee of the day. So I think um, I'm going to start us off. Um, <laughs> like I was talking to Ebony before we started. Um, I went on the wild side. I, I went to the dark side. I went to Starbucks. Not the yes. dark side. Yes, I went to the dark side. I, I supported the corporation because y'all know I like supporting small owned coffee shops. Um, so today I got a venti honey almond milk uh, cold brew. And if y'all know anything about cold brew, it's strong. Like, I should ask for more cream because I, I'm, not, I'm not used to all that. Like, <laughs> it's hitting me. I feel it now. So, um, yeah, y'all know I have a I have a beef with dairy. So I have to get the almond milk, the oat milk. Okay. Um, because me and dairy, we just, um, it's on site with us. So Okay. Well, as you guys know, I am an avid person. I keep my patterns the same. And your girl always comes through with the Starbucks. Okay, let me, let me get this together. My camera won't let me be great. But anyway, you guys know I love to have my Venti Dark Rose, two pumps of peppermint, four raw sugar from the best of the best Starbucks every Sunday is my thing. We tape this on Sunday, guys. Yes, we air on Mondays. But Sundays is like my self-care days. I go to Starbucks and I ball out. I get me a protein box. <laughs> I get me like an extra shot of like whatever it is, espresso I want. So that's what I did today. I self-cared on myself at Starbucks like I usually do. And so this is about, this is my first cup. But I did have like two shots of espresso. So your girl is wired and ready mm. to go but yeah so that's my coffee of the day yeah and i also feel like that was a shot there earlier you were saying i i listen i have a pattern it's just today i was running errands y'all and i don't really have time because the place that i go to usually it's kind of it gets packed around this time like the time that we're recording so i was just like you know what what's uh on my way back home what's convenient and it has a drive-through because the place that I go to doesn't have a drive-through. You have to go in. So I was like, you know what? Um, I'm going to just take a page out of my sister's playbook and go to Starbucks. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Taking pages from my blueprint of standard of protocol is <coughs> always a blessing to those who follows my pattern. So it's cool. <laughs> God. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
next on our agenda today. We are going to do your um, what tips and tricks and techniques did you use to better yourself this week? So that is my sister's segment. So I'm going to let her take it away. And y'all, if y'all listened last episode, I ain't going to call shots because I don't know. She may be doing a Michelle ex- excerpt from the book. So listen, y'all know we manifesting to get a Michelle on the show. So I'm, I'm not even going to say nothing. I'm going to just let my sister take it over. Yes. So as Donald stated, you guys know that I am reading Becoming by Michelle Obama. And so my tools and techniques from this week is an excerpt that I did get from her book. So it states, if you don't get out there and define yourself, you'll be quickly and inaccurately defined by others. So I'm going to state that again. If you don't get out there and define yourself, you'll be quickly and inaccurately defined by others. I took it from my perspective is that if you don't get out there and show up for who you are, you let society, you let the people that is in society define who you are and then you fit into this box trying to measure up to society's standards of you. So if you don't get anything from this tool and technique this week, just understand that if you are out there, you're showing up 100% yourself you're being defined by who you are, then society, whether it's a negative or positive aspect on how they view you, that is their opinion, but you have defined and exerted exactly who you need to be to show up for yourself. So that is my excerpt for the tools and techniques of this week. Yes, I love, that was a, ooh. See, y'all giving me chills and we haven't even started on the topic yet. Like, that's honestly <laughs> crazy. I think um, that was very well put. And like I said, every y'all, she's making me want to go buy this book. I think I need to cop the audio. I should. Because I, I really think, I be feeling bad. I'm like, she's dropping so many gems in this book and I haven't even read the cover yet. Like, it's crazy, so. Yeah, I mean, you really should. I mean, if you guys are thinking about getting this book, one thing that I want to share is that she starts at the grassroots of who she was. She starts at the foundational aspects of the woman that she became. And I know that we have some male listeners that's probably like, that's probably not a book for me. But when she's talking about the cognitive thought process, like her mindset, how does she had to develop into the person that she is? I think that can be applicable to anybody. We all have to define ourselves, like I stated, define our journey based upon like the wisdom that we get from others. And sometimes the things that we encounter in life shapes and molds who we are. So just seeing it from somebody else's perspective, I think is helpful when you're on your own journey of trying to identify who you are as a person. So check her out. Once again, it's Michelle Obama's Becoming book. Check it out. At this point, I think you might need to collect a check. Um, listen (laughs) run me my coins i'm ready at any time michelle if you listening (laughs) michelle i don't know you might have to cash after um just just manifesting that in the universe but um next on our agenda we're gonna do my favorite segment personally no bias um we're gonna do stone of the week (laughs) so this week's stone um if my ring light will ever let me be great um is the obsidian if you're watching this on youtube hopefully you can see it um it's very jet black um and obsidian has many tools and applications that it's used for but 
the primary use for obsidian is really um, if you are someone who is dealing with a lot of trauma right now, or maybe you have a lot of old wounds, um, whether that be verbal, spiritual, emotional abuse that you've dealt with um, or are currently dealing with. And it's a very good stone to have to um, just kind of, uh, sometimes we need to reopen those wounds. And I think having an obsidian will definitely help you work through the trials and tribulations on the road to healing. Um, it is also a very good stone if you're looking to open up your base chakra. Um, Y'all know I, I love talking about me some chakra and chakra points, but um, if you are looking to stimulate that, it is a good stone to have. Um, it is also a very good stone to meditate with if you are uh, looking for a more deeper experience with meditation. Um, it is also a very good stone to have with you. And yeah, that's my stone of the week. So we are going to now move on um, to our today's topic, which is we're going to talk about mental health. Um, but more specifically, we're going to talk about it when it comes down to the Black community and further subset into Black males. So um, we have our guest here today. I think it would be more appropriate for um, us to just kick it off to him. Let's get his ideas, opinions, and we're just going to go from there. Okay, cool. Um, so you are we you want me to answer specific questions or just talk from my frame of reference on that topic in general? Um, I think you know, I don't have any questions off the top of my head. So I think you know, just whatever you feel comfortable starting us off with. And okay. usually we always find some way to piggyback off of it and just turn it to a whole uh, round table, so. Well, if you guys <laughs> let me interject for a second, I do want to start with the grassroots. So I would like to ask you, Terrell, from your perspective as a Black man that is in mental health, what mm -hmm. was your journey to finding this field? What connected you to want to go into mental health? Because let's just be honest, Black men is a smaller percentage of you all in mental health as compared to the Black woman. Definitely. And I always align that to the fact that Black women, we are taught as we are being reared as we get older, that we are supposed to be in tune to our emotions. We are supposed to be aligned to being the caretakers and the caregivers, wanting to find out and ask questions. What's wrong with you? How can we help you? So it's always something that is an enlightenment or something that is a question or mystery for me when I see Black men that's in the field, especially not only do they just take it as undergraduate, but they further their education like you have done. So my okay. question would be to you is what aligned you to the fields of mental health and what has kept you wanting to continue to educate yourself and to be able to go out there and assist others? Okay, uh, so I think the very earliest recollection I have of being steered in that direction is my grandmother. I was, uh, <clears throat> so I, I experienced some early childhood trauma. My, my mother was murdered when I was six. I was raised by my grandmother, but she was like, uh, she is just a kindred spirit, just a person that people feel comfortable talking to and you know, just telling her stuff that they haven't told nobody in life. So uh, <clears throat> I can remember being about 10 or 11 
<clears throat> and my friends would come over. I'm thinking they coming to see me and they really coming to see my grandma because it's something <laughs> on their mind. Okay. So that was my first earliest recollection. But uh, just being all the way real, when I first got in school and college undergrad, I was playing football. And when you playing football at a HBCU specifically, they tell you don't declare a major your first year because uh, you got to actually be doing good in school to stay eligible to play football. And they scared that you may not be doing that. So they like, don't declare a major yet. I was on academic scholarship, so I ain't had no issue with that. But um, I was taking core courses and prerequis prerequisite courses as I was trying to weigh out what major I was going to go with. And I had uh, my initial thought was <clears throat> I was going to do physical health and my brother, my twin brother was going to do mental health. The physical health department lost its accreditation. So I ended up doing mental health. But... Oh, wow. Um, the way I thought about it, like, I didn't know exactly what I was going to do after school. When I was in college, I thought I was going to the NFL. So that's what everybody that played college football is thinking. So, um, but at the same time, I did want to graduate and I did know that my biggest strength was honestly my intellect. So I wasn't, I never was only an athlete, <clears throat> but I wanted to major in something that I knew would be applicable to anything that I ended up doing. So undergraduate wise, I was thinking it ain't nothing that's, that, that you can do that don't relate to the way you think and internalize and process information. So if you could get good at that, it's probably going to translate well into whatever you end up doing. But uh, what I realized after I had my undergraduate degree and nothing else was that the credibility, even if you better, naturally smarter and, you know, better equipped at, to, the, to do the job than somebody with credentials, you don't get the respect until you get the credentials. So to answer your other question is what made me further my education was I felt like in order to get the respect and the... Uh, opportunities that I felt like I deserved, I needed some credentials. So that's what I did. Okay. But um, I did want to say something about the gender uh, discrepancy. So I kind of view mental health a little bit differently than I think most women. Do. Um, I think that one of the main jobs for a therapist and a client is for the therapist to promote autonomy in their client. Your client should be able to do some of the things that you're doing for them on their own after your interactions with them. But I think males are better at that than females are, naturally. Because females have a tendency to coddle and to, um, like you said, nurture. I'm not trying to nurture you as a client. I'm trying to teach you some things that you could do on your own. I don't want you to need me 10 years down the line. So um, I think that it is a discrepancy, but I don't think it should be. I think in the black community, um, males are taught to look at any expression of emotion as weakness. So when you express your emotion as a black male, it's either gonna come out looking like anger or it's gonna be uh, interpreted by others as weakness. 
So the whole expression of emotion thing out of a black male is kind of a foreign thing. I think that's another reason for the discrepancy. But if you if you notice, if you go to the white side, it's probably more white male therapists than it is white female therapists. Because white males don't care about expression. They going they gonna show you, you know what I'm saying? I'm scared, I'm nervous, I'm, you know what I'm saying? They gonna tell you. So <laughs> it's, 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 I think it's just it's a cultural thing um, but at the same time just like you said with the Michelle Obama thing if you can represent yourself well and you don't allow others to represent you you could be the only dude in the room I'm cool with that <laughs> I'm cool with like just like when we met in graduate school I was the only dude in every class definitely but I was cool with that and I was killing it. So, I mean, it wasn't like, you know, it was a, um, it was a, you know, hindrance or anything, but I, I have noticed that it's definitely a discrepancy uh, in terms of men and women in the field, but I don't think it, I think it might be a strength, honestly. Um, okay. I respect that <laughs> viewpoint. I, I really do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But I think that's more of a traditional lens of looking at an approach to psychology or just the overall hierarchy of mental health. Mm-hmm. And I say that because now with millennials, majority of us were raised in single parent homes in the black community. Mm-hmm. Either we were raised by our mothers or we were raised by our grandmothers, but we seen that woman as not only playing the woman role, but the male role as well. Mm -hmm. So the longer that we are natured, nurtured into this particular environment, when we become our own establishments outside of that household with our own thought process that was reared by the person that helped develop us, we go into these fields, not just with the nurturing aspect, but of the, I'm going to show you what you need to do resemble this, but I'm not just showing you this because this is something that's going to assist you to be whatever your hierarchy of goal is, but it's going to protect you as well. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like, especially Black women in mental health, we have to always be the pillar of caretaking, but we also have to be the pillar of protection as well. And we do take on both of those roles. So I hear you and I definitely see the direction that you're going. I just feel like that's from like a more of a traditional aspect, not the millennial aspect, because the millennial aspect, we're unfortunately black women in a lot of our households, we're the mothers and the fathers. So we not only just have to love on our children from the perspective of just the love aspects, but we have to provide and protect as well. So I see you and I hear you and I respect Back to you, Terrell. I just wanted to add <laughs> that layer to it as well. Okay. That's so, what's y'all, up. in layman's terms, she said, I respectfully uh, disagree. See you, but I respectfully <laughs> disagree. So, just anyone who's listening and, you know, you aren't real well versed in the academia world, that's what that was. <laughs> right. You know, no, that's interpretation. <laughs> I, can see, I, can see, I can see your point on that one. Yeah, of course. Um, You know, Black women, we hold it down from all different aspects. I have seen Black women work multiple jobs. They're not only just the the mother in the household cooking. They're out there providing. 
I'm sure all of us have seen that in different respects, right? Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Definitely had some strong black women in my household growing up. Actual, factual. So continue on conversation back into like the mental health, black men and mental health. And you mm-hmm. were saying like you bring like a different aspect to it. So mm-hmm. what is it when you're working with your clients and you're showing them different tools and techniques to utilize in mental health, right? And you're showing them things that's going to assist them to navigate. We mm-hmm. had a mental health practitioner on, not last week, but the week before. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about in like the prison settings, because she worked in the prison setting like I had in the past. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about how a lot of these prison settings are placed in Black communities or urban communities. And they mm-hmm. try to give them like blanket treatments. Meaning Mm -hmm. like all of the treatment plans look the same for people. All Mm -hmm. of the expectations look the same. The resources are the same. So when they go back in the community, a lot of these parolees or people that just come from aspects of having lineage of always being incarcerated, we wonder why the recidivism rate is so high. Why they continue Mm -hmm. to come back into the prison population. They continue to like be in this system of a revolving door. So Mm -hmm. we were talking about how we apply when we were as mental health practitioners in the prison setting, we applied, mm-hmm. diff- we applied the treatment that the prison said we had to give, but we mm-hmm. had to like tweak it a little bit. Because Definitely. when you're looking at people and especially our black people in these environments where they had trauma in the past, they have had like, they've normalized seeing people die. They've normalized seeing having like to fight their way out of situations that normal people just don't see growing up. So from your perspective, when you're giving treatment, especially to higher risk individuals, black, white, or indifferent, Mm -hmm. do you feel like there is a blanket treatment or do you feel like you have to put your own kind of like interpretation on treatment to be able to properly assist people? Well, I'm glad you said that because, uh, I actually work in a prison system, uh, but it's a juvenile. Uh, it's a juvenile facility where the kids there are like 14 to 18 and they already been institutionalized. Like you said, they already been traumatized. They already have uh, developed some habits that keep them coming back and forth. And like, like I said, you might be 16. I'm like, bro, when was the last time you was at your house with your family? Right. I was like 12, bro. I was like, that's crazy. (laughs) But uh, to answer your question, I don't even go, well, it, there's a built-in individualized approach with the jobs that I work with. So we do what's called a uh, individual service plan. Uh, so the treatment plans are, they, they supposed to be individualized for every single client. Now we both know that that don't happen all the time, but um, I don't even go off the treatment plan, honestly. <laughs> like I don't even look at the paperwork. Like when I'm, when I meet a client, if it's like a high risk client and they like suicidal or something like that, I definitely read through the assessment and all that. But I don't do that until I already feel like I've developed some type of relationship with this person. Okay. So what I don't want to do is read a whole packet of information on you before I meet you and then come into it with a preconceived notion. Here's my uh, twin brother right here. He just popped in. You want to say hi? <laughs> Hey, hey how are you how are you good. Hey. 
You can join the conversation if you want to. I know that you're in mental health as well. So if anything inspires you or if you have time, please feel free to do so. Uh, yeah, I'm not decent right now. I appreciate it, though. <laughs> he don't want to be on camera. It's cool. But uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, if you are too by the book, if you too by the book, it comes off as being disgenuine. It comes off as being, um, you know, one of them people that's just trying to get their check and go home. So I've I've been told, and this is one thing that stuck out to me in graduate school. Okay. The best thing you can be for a client is present. It, you, it don't matter what theoretical approach you take. It don't matter, you know, how many books you read. If you're not authentic with your clients, they're going to tell. They can tell and they're not going to connect with you. So um, the thing I like about working with young black kids is that for one thing, I can see myself in most of them. I can see what the thought process is versus what it should be. And also, I don't have to be um, a different version of myself. Like I can be the relaxed version of myself. And the things that make me um, relatable are the, are the genuine aspects of my personality. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not trying to put on. I ain't trying to use big words. Some stuff, when I say it, it might go over their head just because, you know, they not like academic type people. Right. Um, so I'll go back and break it down. This is what that means, bro. Do you know what that means? <laughs> You'll be like, no, nah, I don't know what that means. And I'll break it down. So uh, I think that one of my biggest strengths is that I haven't lost myself in the process of getting my education. I think a lot of people, the, the smarter they get, the less relatable they are and the less um, they are able to identify with a client that ain't there yet. You know what I'm saying? Like if you don't, if you got a GED and I got a doctorate, I still, I should still be able to communicate with you. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I don't, I don't really use, I mean, I use the paperwork to guide my, uh, to guide my uh, treatment, but I don't overly use it if that make any sense. That makes sense. I mean, of course, you know, I relate to that 1000%. I think after I finished my doctoral journey, as you guys know, I came back to Atlanta. So that's where I reside currently. And when you and I, Terrell, we had a conversation not too long ago and you were like, you know what? You still seem like the same person. It just seemed like yeah. you haven't changed. And yeah, that yeah, is just so important to me, especially mm -hmm. when you are in the field and you're working with people. You have to be a relatable and genuine person because yep. like you stated, if you're not a person that's present in the moment and you're listening and you're able to talk about things on a, a level that people understand, talking over someone's head only allows for you to feel inflated as a mental health professional, but Definitely. it does nothing for your clients. <laughs> Definitely. Like you do it. Like, who are you treating now? Are you exactly. treating me or, or yourself? Are you treating your ego or exactly. are you treating the client? Because I'm confused. Yeah. Definitely. I've actually, uh, I know a lot of mental health therapists, honestly, that just be talking like just rambling facts and throwing out books. <laughs> look at this book. Look at this quote. Look at it. I'm like, you ain't even talking to the client. <laughs> you talking to yourself. Facts. Yeah. I mean, because it, it becomes a self-serving practice over time if you are not feeding your client. So it's important to me 
Like I tell people all the time, yes, I'm going to give you a book. Like I'm going to show you Michelle. I'm going to give you a Mm -hmm. research article. I'm going to give you stats all day. But Mm -hmm. understand at the end of the day, it's all about balance. I still Mm -hmm. have a personal life where I go out and I enjoy the world and I'm able to enjoy what, what it is that I like and makes me happy. And I just think as a mental health professional, whether you're a woman or whether you're a male, that's why I think it's so important to have your feedback. I don't care what it is that you think that you're doing. Balance is so important. And without balance, you are not relatable to people. Without balance, you lose yourself. And when you lose yourself in the mental health profession, it's hard for you to say that you're a mental health practitioner because you're not feeding the people that you're set into to actually give help to. So all of those things are, like I said, imperative to talk about and things that we shall always remember, especially in the field of mental health. Did you want to talk about something, Donald? I know that we've just been like going, going, going. So No, I think it's just definitely interesting when like, and we talked about it when we had um, Toy on the show. It's just always interesting to just hear like different lenses of mental health because I think people, especially in our community, I think we grew up with this image of what mental health looks like right we just see like a therapist couch like you know yeah. on the wall in the bookcase <laughs> and you know the patch on the, you know we just all we that's what we think <laughs> like but i think it's so important to have people like representation i know we yeah. y'all who have been listening to us for a long time we talk about it all the time we even have an episode on representation mm-hmm. um it's so important to have people that look like us in this field right like that are going to school for this like I think it's so important because there are black and brown people out there that are struggling struggling mentally emotionally spiritually and if you feel like you have no outlet to talk to someone or to get help then you are just going to sit there and struggle in silence and I think that is a silent killer among black people you know depression suicide anxiety PTSD, trauma, like it's so many things that inflict our community and yet no one wants to talk about it because it's still considered taboo or it's you know heavily stigmatized, especially among black men. I feel like it's more stigmatized to even talk about mental health and not get that, you know, that look, you know, that look at the barbecue yeah. and you all be looking at you like, yeah. <laughs> so I, it's just interesting, you know, to just hear, you know, another black man, you know, in mental health talk about this because it's so rare. Like you said earlier, um, I mean, it's so rare to see that point of view in mental health because it's not talked about. That's so true. That's so true. And what I try to tell people is <clears throat> if your mind is important to you the same way as your body is. Why would you not look at mental health the same way as you look at physical health? If you go to the gym right now, it ain't just fat people in there. (laughs) It's people that look like they work out every day. There's people that look like they might work out once a week. There's people that look like this is their very first workout in life. But (laughs) it's, it's a opportunity to attend to your physical health and I think mental health is the same thing. It's levels to it. You may be doing it for maintenance. You could be doing it because you're in a crisis. You could be engaging in it because you don't want to go into a crisis. I mean, there's a lot of different 
levels to it, just like anything else. Um, and to me, it's like, it's one of those things that the majority culture don't want us to take advantage of. What do you mean? I don't know if y'all noticed it, but most of the good ideas that white people do, they try to discourage us from doing it. So it's almost just like white people have been working out since the 60s. Right. Y'all remember Richard Simmons? Of course. But black people didn't even look at physical health as important until around the 90s. Hmm. Like I remember when I first started working out tough, all of my friends was like, bro, what are you training for? <laughs> like, why do I have to be training for something? Like, I just don't want to get fat. I mean, right. how, how is that? So, I mean, I'm just saying that I look at um, mental health as something that's probably going to pick up steam in everybody's community at some point because it's something that you can't ignore. You know what I'm saying? But it's, I think the stigma around mental health in our community, some of it is produced intentionally, in my opinion, to keep us from it taking advantage of it and keep us in this situation where, you know, little Johnny is, is struggling all of his life. Nobody don't get him no help until he 25 and he doing the most having all of these challenges and stuff. And then we try to see what's wrong with Johnny. Right. I but, agree with you. Yeah. So I definitely think that um, the more conversations we have like this, and the more people that look like us that can have these conversations in an intellectual way, but not talking over people's head and making them feel intimidated by the process, you know, we can start to break down some of those barriers. I agree. It's about normalizing terminology. Because even when I first got into juicing, like I used to own my own juicing company, people would be mm -hmm. like, girl, that's what white people do. What are you doing? Like, yeah, exactly. juicing. Who juiced? you know and then I would ask people have you ever tried it mm -hmm. and then I would give them samples and they're like oh this is actually good this That's actually nice. tastes like you have sugar or something in it and I'm like this is all natural so I say all that to say sometimes in the black community we just don't normalize terminologies we don't give mm -hmm. knowledge to what these terms mean we just put a blanket statement on it as, as that is what white people do black people don't do that so I yeah. think, like you said, <laughs> building conversation around this is healthy and it allows for us to understand like, okay, what balance is, because you also <laughs> talked about when you went to the gym mm -hmm. and how your friends were talking about like, what are you working out for? What, and yeah. now it's such a huge popular thing to go to the gym and have wellness. I think we talked about this before, Donald, where it's like everybody on social media is into wellness in some form or fashion, uh -huh. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, now that it's a trend, yeah. it's a thing. But it's, I just yeah. wanted people to understand, like, it's not just a trend when it comes to mental health and wellness. It's a lifestyle. Right. So even when the trend is not popping and popular anymore, you have to continue to do that. You have to continue to do the work because society is going to go in and out of seasons of what things are popular and popping and what's not popular anymore. You have to know for yourself what is giving you happiness, what is grounding you so you are able to sustain your happiness and your wellness despite the chaotic of society. So I just think those are aspects 
we need to always, you know, into implement in the black community. For sure. Yeah. And if you guys are watching on YouTube, you can see that Terrell is giving us a tour. Of the <laughs> 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 yeah. A tour. Thank you, Terrell. Oh, <laughs> watching on YouTube. We see that you are a black mental health clinician with a beautiful home. Thank you. Listen, sometimes it just be like that. But um, I definitely think and going back off what you said earlier, um, and I can't remember what episode it was, but we talked about like everyone now wants to be like a wellness coach. Everyone wants <laughs> to be like a mental health advocate and they want to be a mental health guru. But yeah. where's your research? Where's your like like right. cite your work. <laughs> like where's the citations <laughs> at? It's like everyone wants this lifestyle, but are you truly committed to it? Because it's right. not just you coming on here and just posting like, you know, my chakras are so aligned today, you guys. Like here's 10% <laughs> off on flat feet. Like that's not <laughs> that's not what this is. Like that's and I just hate when I I don't want to use hate. I strongly dislike when I see stuff like that on like my social media pages, because now you're giving these people like a distorted image of what like wellness really is. It's not you going out buying a whole case of flat tummy tea or going out and buying this like expensive like gummies that like no one's ever even heard of before. But just because your favorite <laughs> influencer is buying it, you think that's what mental health is. Well, like, let, me, you know, let me piggyback on that, okay? Because <laughs> I got a question for you, Terrell, because I know as a Black doctor, as a mm -hmm. Black female doctor, I have felt this imposter syndrome. Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, my God. Let me, listen, y'all, I have credentials as far as, like, I have a BA, an MA, my PhD. It's all aligned in forensic psychology. But basically what Donald is saying, you have all these social media influencers that's mm -hmm. out here, they're selling wellness waist shapers and they doing all these sales and wellness and i'm like well damn but maybe it's i shouldn't awesome. be doing it you know what i'm saying yeah. then i have to go back and i have to check myself like ebony you have done years of research and wellness not only just wellness but mental wellness as well so mm -hmm. sometimes when i'm out there marketing my business Shameless plug, drebonycoming.com. Check me out for all your wellness needs. <laughs> but when I'm out there like promoting my business, sometimes I feel like this syndrome, like imposter syndrome, like, should I be doing this? Do people mm -hmm. really even care? Like, do, I'm not, I have a huge following on Instagram, but it's not hundreds of thousands of followings, you know? So mm -hmm. it's just like, Terrell, do you ever feel like when you're doing your podcast or when you're doing your 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 private practice, do you ever feel like a sense of imposter syndrome as a black male in the profession that actually has credentials to do? Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. I mean, yes, and I I, I had <laughs> to have a couple of pep talks with myself as well because you gotta you gotta almost compete with the people who don't have the credentials that you have, yes. but they are a little bit more popular on social media than you are. Right. But even that's a counterculture to what I was raised with. Like when I was growing up, it wasn't a lot of putting on. It was either you this dude or you ain't that right. dude. And if you that dude, you don't have to keep saying, I'm that dude. Right. Look at this, <laughs> look what I got. Look at my yeah. new car, look at my new, you know, uh, uh, 
I'm at the club or at the at the wherever I'm at, and instead of doing what I'm doing, I'm just trying to film it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So everybody else can see it. But that's just counter of the type of person that I was I looked up to as as a kid. You know what I'm saying? So to answer your question, yeah, I be feeling like, you know, it's a lot of people out there. Like, I'll give you an example. I don't even know this dude's name, but it was this dude on Facebook that was okay. giving relationship advice to women. Have y'all seen this dude? Yes. You talking but about the African-American man? Yeah, but yes. I'm like, what does he do for a living? Like, why is he credible? Why is his yeah. opinion uh, a valid opinion on how you know the mental health aspect of how you're supposed to formulate a bond and get past challenges in a relationship and communicate better with your girl like how what gives you the right <laughs> to be out here giving people advice like that but if you um i had to i had to tell myself that if i fought it any longer then i was going to be standing in my own way so that's where the podcast thing came from. I'm not really a podcast type guy. Like I don't, this whole uh, technology wave, I yeah. feel like an old dude because I'm not very techni- technology savvy. I don't got well, a whole I bunch mean, of followers. Sorrell, you are getting up there. Just a, just a <laughs> I'm getting a little better. Okay, that's cool. I mean, you know, you got to start somewhere. You got to start somewhere. But yeah, I mean, I'm not that good at that stuff. So I'm learning it. But... Mm-hmm that stuff is almost more important than actually knowing what the hell you're talking about nowadays. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? True. Like somebody had to tell me, it don't matter what you know, if you can't get it out there. <laughs> so I had to, I had to work on myself because like I said, it's, it's a superficial thing to me. It, it feels so, I don't even know. Like when I'm taking, like when I'm posting stuff on Instagram and stuff like that, <laughs> it still feels counter to the authentic me like yeah. trying to promote myself like look at yeah. me i'm doing this now i'm doing that now that's not me so oh. um yeah i'm definitely i've seen a lot of that uh imposter stuff a lot of these life coaches like this <laughs> what you, I bet. Uh, she was like, oh you're a therapist i was like yeah she said me too i was like really she was like yeah i was like Where'd you go to school at? Oh, I didn't go to school for it. I was like, okay. you didn't? She was like, no. Nah. And I was like, well, you ain't no damn therapist then. And then she was like, yes, I am. I'm a life coach and I got this and I got that. And I'm just like, okay, man, you got it. But right. in the inside, I was like, this bitch ain't no therapist. <laughs> she's, just, <laughs> she's, just, she's just posing as one. So, you know, definitely have come across a lot of that, man. Listen, but I guess it's just I par encourage. for the course. That's that 2020 stuff right there. Yes. And I have in my mind, when I'm marketing for my business, I have to call it just that marketing. Mm-hmm. Because if I look at it from any other perspective, it makes me feel like, like I said, like an imposter. Like, what are you mm-hmm. doing? Mm-hmm. You know you went to school for this. You don't have to tell a million people that you're a doctor and this is mm-hmm. what you <laughs> You tell them one more one time, and that's it. Right. <laughs> in the world that we live in, you have to constantly like put yourself out there. You have to constantly market yourself. You, especially when you are a black business owner, a black small business owner, you're competing with massive companies. Like mm-hmm. I'm gonna align this to something that really ain't got nothing to do with it. But when mm-hmm. you're looking at Fashion Nova, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have a fitness wear company too. 
but I'm competing with large businesses like Fashion Nova. And although I have constructed my fitness wear to be something that is a, a beautiful alignment to what I've researched, they don't care about that. Do Cardi B have your outfit on or not? <laughs> You know, it is hard. It's hard to do it. And it's all of the business owners out there, especially black business owners out there, hats go off to you. Keep going, keep working. If you know this is something that you have put your heart, soul, and education into, make sure that you hit the market just like all of these major companies. Be unapologetic about marketing yourself because these larger companies, they're unapologetic about it too. And I understand that imposter syndrome is something that we all face. We feel like we're not worthy and worth it. But if your higher power puts a dream or some type of fruition inside of you to make a reality, make sure that you hit it hard every day. So that's just my rant on that. That's something I want to give to the Black wellness community because I feel like we need to encourage each other more. Let each other know, like, just like these major companies is doing it, you can do it too, especially if you have education that has aligned you to this field. So, oh, you just made me think of something. Okay. We on our <laughs> on our podcast, we was talking about mm-hmm. uh, supporting black businesses, right? And how it's a push to do that now, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But we don't talk a lot about the black businesses' uh, responsibility to provide a quality service. So, just like you said. <clears throat> when it's all about popularity and it's all about, you know, uh, who pushed it the hardest and it's not about, are you credible? Like, do you know what the hell you're doing? Then it, it takes it away from, you know, the responsibility that the, that the business has to provide a quality service. It's like, if I'm dealing with something mental health wise and the dude that was on Facebook got something going on, I could either reach out to him or I could reach out to a fully licensed therapist because I see the Facebook dude all the time. I'm more likely to go that direction. Right. But you don't never think to like research this dude. Like, what does he do for a living? Did he go to school? Like, does he know what the hell he's talking about? But that's what I think we need to push more um, along with that same message, because I do agree we need to support black businesses but we need to support good black businesses legitimate black businesses like people who like have went to school and got some like investment in what they doing so yeah man i definitely have uh seen a lot of that but i think i definitely agree we need to support black businesses but we got to do we got to do better too we do the, we the actual do better and just to go, like piggyback off of that, like just I'm gonna just extend that to podcasting, like any kind of like service where you know, like our podcast, for example. I don't expect people to listen to us because we're black. I mean, if you do, I'm not gonna be mad at you, but I expect <laughs> you to listen to us because you like our content, because you align with our messages and what we put out there in the community. I think. And and it's just so funny how you brought that up because why, if it's your money and you have a right to choose and spend where you want to spend it at, as long as you are getting a good service, like you are going to support something 
just because, okay, there's a black person running it. Because newsflash people, not all black people are like this one big monolith. Like, <laughs> we are, what's that saying? Not all skin folk are kin folk. Kinfolk. Like, okay. you know what I'm saying? Like, there's a lot of us, you know, out there with bigger and larger platforms. That don't mean that all of them have our interests aligned at their hearts. Let's mm-hmm. just, I think we need to start talking about that more because, like you said, like, especially, you know, with the Black Lives Matter riots, I think, especially after, you know, all that stuff that went down last summer, it's been a big push, you know, support Black businesses. And that's fine, but yeah. at the end of the day, it is your money. And I feel like if you are going to spend for a product or a service, you need to go where you feel like your money is adequately spent. Just don't spend with someone or listen to someone just because they're black. Because at the end of the day, we are not a monolith. We're not all just, we're just all black. We just have one, we have one mind, one ambition. Like, no, that's just not the case. Oh, yeah, definitely. Even when you look at it from the aspect of like politics, right? You have black people in (coughs) politics that's Republican. You have black people that's in politics that's Democratic. But at the end of the day, you have to look at the person outside of, like you said, the skin complexion to see if they're aligning to your actual values. And then going after that, you want to make sure that their values are actually aligning to their lifestyle to see if that's a person that you should follow. Because it's a lot of people that get on platforms that they're talking about, they're doing all these amazing workouts, they're doing all of this for their wellness, and then come to find out, which I am not against. They didn't win and got a BBL. They yeah. didn't win and got like, like you said, like all these surgeries done and all these amazing things to make their bodies look well, but they haven't really took the time to go to the gym or they're not setting up lifestyle patterns of eating healthy. So you have to do your own research to be able to make sure that the person that you're aligning yourself to or the person that you're looking up to is actually leading the lifestyle that they are projecting. Right. But that's Here's all the other Google funny. search away. Go ahead, I didn't mean to cut you off my bad. I just thought about this. What about a few years ago? I'm see if y'all remember this. <clears throat> Who was the relationship guru that was giving everybody relationship advice? Y'all remember? Oh. I can't tell you how many women told me I'm getting that Steve Harvey book. Oh. <laughs> I said Steve <laughs> Harvey? Why? This dude Act a like a lady, think like a man. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm saying a 60-year-old comedian yeah. is who you gonna take relationship advice from. That don't even make logical sense. Right. To right. me, okay, I don't think everything he said was wrong. Don't get me wrong. I have heard some stuff that I agree with. But if I was looking for somebody to steer me in the right direction. Steve Harvey would not be the person that I'm looking for for relationship advice. Right. Now, if he was writing a book about how to tell a good joke, mm. how to captivate an audience, <laughs> how to make it out the hood, right. make a lot of money. I don't know anything but relationships. I'm right. like, this dude is not a therapist, <laughs> nor is he an academic person at all. You know what I'm saying? Like he, He's the host of Family Feud. If you want to make a you know, give advice on how to host Family Feud. Great, but not relationships. And, and we that gotta is do better. the world we live in, Terrell. Like, <laughs> look at it. Okay, I love the Breakfast Club. Do not get me wrong. I love, love Charlemagne, Angela Yee, mm-hmm. DJ Envy. Shouts out to y'all. If y'all want us to ha- come on y'all show, 
hit us up at unapologetically underscore comment on Instagram, okay? <laughs> but I have not for the life of me understood how Charlemagne, the God, mm-hmm. is a mental health advocate. I have researched, I have tried to Google multiple times to see, did he go to school for this? How is he really advocating for this? What is his alignment to mental health outside of him saying that he is a black man with anxiety? Now I say all that to say, cause I have two black men right here on this platform with me. Mm-hmm. I respect the fact that he is speaking life into something that so many years and generations, black people just did not talk about, especially on major platforms, right? Right. However, I need to understand When has it been okay if you are not credentialed in mental health, have had some type of education outside of a bachelor's degree in mental health, how can you get on major platforms and speak where you're almost like a professor, you're teaching people about mental health without actually having a mental health professional that is not only just licensed, but have some type of academia that is of graduate studies to be able to be there to back it up. And I say all that to say, I am so tired of hearing people saying, oh girl, I'm not feeling good today. I think I got depression. (laughs) (laughs) I'm walking around in the store. Oh girl, I can't be in here. I got anxiety. What are are we doing? Now I understand we're, we're normalizing mental health in that aspect, but it takes away from people like you, Terrell, people like me, who actually have went to school to get all these degrees in student loans, okay? Definitely. A million dollars for PhD. Um, <laughs> it, it takes away from what we do. Cause it's like, like you said, you ran into a girl that said she was a therapist and she didn't even go to school for it, but she's out here guiding mm-hmm. people, which is illegal as hell. Okay, we're not even gonna get into that. <laughs> But see, because they never went to she school. She burning sage and everything. Right. She burning sage. She aligning people's chakras. Like, look, ma'am, what are you doing? <laughs> She's sprinkling holy water on them and everything. Come here, let me get this holy water on you real quick. Okay. Are you a psychologist or a holistic healer? Because those are two different things. Yeah, right? just say you're a wellness guru. Don't exactly. say, like, even, like, you know, and not to, because I know you, sister, you was about to go. Off on I know you was about to go in, but um, <laughs> I know for me, you know, uh, starting this podcast, you know, doing my own ventures outside of this, I have to tell people, I'm not licensed. I'm not a licensed therapist. I'm not a licensed mental health practitioner. So while I appreciate people being able to come for me, um, yeah, I, I can't, I can't legally help you. Right. Um, and I would feel ethically wrong to sit up here and advertise, like give you false advertising. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm, I consider myself a wellness mental health advocate. You know, I consider myself, at, I guess you want to call me a wellness guru. Like I've, Ebony, you know, I do tarot, like I, yeah. you know, really aligned with spirituality. But I can't sit up here and call myself a therapist. Like you will never catch me on any sort of social media platform saying, all right, I'm a therapist and I have a mental health uh, podcast. Like, you can call me a therapist once I go get this degree, my MD, so I can be a psychiatrist. Then you can call me a therapist. But <laughs> until I've gotten to that point, 
Um, no, and I and going back to what I was saying earlier, these influencers, I they putting out these fake images, images, and it's really causing people, like you said, going to these not so great avenues to get help. So definitely, definitely, man, it's crazy. I'm just loving that. We're having the perspective from the black male. I know that I'm usually the one that's on here talking about the psychology aspect of so many different things. And I'm just happy to have a guest on that's in conjunction with Donald, where you guys are able to see mental health in the black community from a black man's perspective. So Mm -hmm. I just wanted to go ahead and just honor that you were able to come onto the platform today and you were able to bless our listeners or viewers, depending on what platform you're watching with you know your jewels that you were dropping today. And I wanna encourage you black man to keep up the good work, keep advocating for mental health in the black community, keep educating those that's out there that want to get into the field, but they're not sure how to get into the field, keep guiding them because it is a journey. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not easy, especially when you're coming from urban neighborhoods that may be not so supportive of people Mm -hmm. that's going into our field, just to see a representation like yourself in mental health and to be able to speak the way that you do, I think is a blessing. So I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for having me. Uh, But now you got to come on mine. So yes, let me know if you're if you guys doing it on Wednesday, I'm down. Okay, cool. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So we're getting ready to like wrap everything up. But before we do that, Terrell, any last words, any plugging of social media, please feel free to do that now. Okay. Uh, last words uh, to sum up my approach in general is Black people, we don't have to be scared of mental health there. Um, it's a conversation with another person. You don't have to be locked into a therapist. If you don't feel comfortable talking to that person, go get another one. You know what I'm saying? So I just want people to understand that um, it don't have to be something that you dread. It don't have to be something that is looming over you. I've actually, uh, it was a part of my um, graduate school. I think it might've been like a, um, what was it like a, a experiential type of uh, project where you had to go and be the client? Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I liked it. I like being a client. <laughs> it's a lot easier. It's a yes, lot it easier being the client than it is the therapist because you don't got to think about shit. You just answer the <laughs> questions that they ask you. So um, I that's right. it's not hard to be a, a, a client. It's easy. Yeah. You just go in there and talk and you feel a lot better when you finish. So um that's pretty much my spiel it don't have to be something that's over your head it don't have to be something that is you know uh uh intimidating it is it's just it is what it is you go in there and you dump out you know what i'm saying like what i think of um when i think of mental health therapy is it's like a cup right every time something stress you out Every time something make you nervous or sad, that cup is being filled up. But if you don't pour the cup out, eventually it's going to overflow. And that's what um, that's what a crisis look like. It's just a cup that's overflowing. So you got to dump it out at some point. Um, plugs. I am Tepsauce37 on Instagram. Um, 
I got a podcast. It's called Rewired. The point of the Rewired is to entertain another perspective. Like I said, a lot of stuff in our community uh, is dysfunctional, to say the least. It's a dysfunctional thought process. And, and I want us to entertain a different way of thinking. Like I said, I had a friend who was so averse to voting. But I never asked him why. So he told me all his reasons why. And I'm like, bro, that's not the way you should be thinking about it. You know what I'm saying? Like, but until we have that conversation, not only is he going to think like that, he's going to teach his kids to think like that. They're going to teach their kids to think like that. And nobody ain't voting. And we don't get no Kamala Harris in the uh, as a vice president if we got generations of people that don't want to vote. So, um, yeah, my podcast is just, pretty much probably similar to yours where we talk about stuff that we was taught growing up that we see now is not the best way to think, not the best way to approach things and stuff like that. So um, yeah, rewired podcast underscore on Instagram and rewired podcast 2020 on YouTube. Beautiful, 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 beautiful. Yes, yes. yes. We will have it. all that stuff uh, linked in our description below, wherever you are listening to. If you are watching this on YouTube, make sure you hit that subscribe button, um, like, comment, share the video. Also, make sure to click that bell icon. Y'all already know the bell icon be dropping y'all some gems because when we upload, y'all will get a direct notification like, y'all, they just, they just dropped a new episode. Go listen to it. Um, and we just want to thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, I know for me, someone who is currently going to school uh, for mental health, um, seeing actual Black male, no offense to the Black women, but seeing <laughs> Black male <laughs> mental health practitioners, you know, you know, out there doing the work is just very inspirational. Um, so thank you, I guess, for just being you and um, for just coming on our show today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the platform. Yes, yes. And we will obviously be so down to come on the podcast and come on there, chop it up with you. And Please do. Are you in Atlanta too? No, I'm in Michigan um, right oh, okay. now. Okay. So, so y'all um, might have to Zoom him in some type of way, Terrell. <laughs> okay. That's yeah, not but, a problem. Yeah. I, I'm Zoom savvy, as y'all may know. I'm in school, so <laughs> that's pretty much all we need. Okay. Well, I just want to say thank y'all so much for tuning in. This was a great episode. And yeah, y'all be blessed. Y'all be well. Drink water. Um, <laughs> and yeah, enjoy this kind of good weather we have been having. I mean, it's not snowing. Well, right now it's not snowing. But um, get out there, wash your cars. Black people, grill a steak. Because y'all know once it gets like 45, we love to throw something on the grill. So <laughs> It's like 80 in Atlanta. Right? Yeah, I was about to say, for everybody that's in Georgia, take them shoes off. Go outside. Practice some grounding exercises because it is beautiful in Georgia. And for everyone that tunes in with us every Monday here on Unapologetic Conversations with the Comans, follow us on YouTube, follow us on Instagram at unapologetically underscore Coleman, follow me on drebonycoleman.com. All of these amazing wellness tips we will always have uploaded on our Instagram. We love you guys and we will see you next week. Yeah, see y'all next week. <laughs>